Hello, I'm excited you found your way here. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and you're listening to Waldorfy. In each episode, I explore and explain Waldorf education and its anthroposophical roots. Hello, everybody, and as always, thank you so much for listening in to this episode. In this episode, we're going to be speaking all about simplicity and simplicity parenting. Uh, Simplicity parenting was first coined by Kim John Payne, who I did reach out to uh, in hopes to speak with him for this episode. Unfortunately, we couldn't coordinate that, but I do, of course, have to give him credit for coining the term and, of course, authoring the book, Simplicity Parenting, which will reference many times during this episode. And of course, just speaking about simplicity in general for young children and for children, um, it's such a a concept I feel ties in so much with the Waldorf approach. And you're going to get to see how how that works as as we continue on here. So I first have to thank our fantastic Waldorfie podcast partner, Sparkle Stories. Sparkle Stories offers over 1,400 original audio stories for children ages three and up. You can find a playlist of audio stories for young children that accompany this week's episode, plus sign up for an extended 30-day free trial by using the coupon code Waldorfie at checkout. And you can visit sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfie for all of that. I just love Sparkle Stories and all they offer, and you'll get to hear me speak a little bit more about that later in this episode. And of course, huge thanks to all of our Waldorfie Patreon supporters. What's Patreon, you may be wondering? Patreon is a platform where you can support creators like myself with a small monthly contribution. The Waldorfie podcast has always been a free, accessible resource for all, but free I always say this doesn't pay the bills. Believe it or not, the cost of just one nice coffee or latte you may get a month really goes a long way to help me to keep being able to create the show. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a supporter, please visit patreon.com forward slash Waldorfie and Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So simplicity and how did I experience the concept of simplicity in my childhood, my little Waldorfie childhood and simplicity parenting? Well, this is one of the things that's so hard, I think, about this topic is that it's something that, you know, when I set out to create this entire season of episodes, it was really one of the first things that came to mind, especially in regards to Waldorf in the home or Waldorf parenting, if you will. The concept of simplicity parenting and the simplicity approach within the home almost was the first thing that popped up for me. I feel like it. if you read the book Simplicity Parenting or if you begin to implement some of the things that I'll speak about later in this episode with my guest, Megan Rose Wilson, uh, when we speak a little bit more in depth about simplicity, you, you will begin to see the connections and how this kind of extends into, I suppose, other topics that we've talked to already or how it just really fits so well with, with the Waldorf approach. When I was a young child, I... And this is, again, what's so interesting about this topic. I can't really just be clear or uh, there's no concise way that I can kind of wrap up my own experience around this topic is essentially what I'm trying to say. I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about it. It's not just... It's not just something that you can easily, you know, speak to, especially having experienced it a little bit as a child. It's just kind of a... It's such an overarching theme that touches into so many different things. I suppose the one thing that really comes to mind how I experience simplicity is in scheduling. 
So uh, my mom, my parents really made a a concerted um, effort to balance our family life and my sisters and I, our life as young children with not very many extracurricular activities, especially when we were very young. Um, Of course, I think this is very common in many families. My youngest sister got to do a lot more, a lot younger than I did being the oldest, but we didn't have any extracurricular like no classes or sports. I was nine the first time I participated in like an after school sport. Um, my youngest sister was a little bit younger, but my mom really, um, I've asked her about this later. Um, she really wanted us to have just lots of time for open ended play. And she really observed and kind of had learned and learning more about Waldorf, how that really was an outlet for us uh, to kind of really stress or just process things that were happening, especially in our school day. This also definitely worked uh, in with our family, considering the commute. I've spoken about this on the show before, that my mom commit to driving my sisters and I one way, 30 minutes to school, and of course, 30 minutes back. Um, And we lived in the same home the whole time I was growing up. So that was a really big commitment for all of us. And I think um, part of it too is that my mom just didn't want us spending any more time in the car and there being three of us. It just really would have been way too much, especially for my littlest sister trying to, you know, drive around to a bunch of different activities for us older ones. So yeah, that was definitely something my mom really, you know, maybe felt a little pull to do, but also had to step back and say, you know what, in these younger years, this isn't really working for us. And yeah, other than that, I think that, you know, my mom made an effort in our home life to keep things simple. um, And uh, she did make very consistent uh, foods for us. I mean, I don't think we were necessarily picky eaters, but we did, um, you know, make things that we ate, uh, you know, on similar, at similar times in the week, I guess, or get to have pizza on a certain day of the week, um, which again comes back to and ties into, you know, rhythm and how that creates a sense of security for the young child. I think within the Waldorf classroom, it's hard to say that simplicity is something that comes up as a memory for me within the classroom. In fact, almost Almost the the total opposite, I feel like, was true for my classroom experience. I felt every day I was just in this, like, honestly, like, glorious world of wonder and experience. And I think uh, the way Waldorf education is meeting a child where they're at developmentally, it never was overwhelming. It just was always so engaging uh, having you know now we're doing a new block and the blackboard is you know a different picture and now there's this we're going to be learning it was just so it was very stimulating and engaging in a way that was easy to digest I guess at all of the different grade levels that I was that I was in at the time Um, so it's interesting speaking to my classroom experience that it's something that I don't really have any any real memories that come come straight to mind, but definitely a little in my home experience. My mom tried to bring this in and keep things simple for us at home. And yeah, it was lovely. Have you been looking for something specially crafted to entertain and enrich your child's developing mind? Wouldn't it be amazing if this content promoted values like kindness, empathy, and respect to help build a gentler world? Would you love a break, but feel a little guilty about turning the TV on? then you're going to be pretty excited to learn about Sparkle Stories. With Sparkle Stories, your family can enjoy a world of 1,400-plus original audio stories for ages 3 and up. 
Sparkle Stories is dedicated to helping the world go a little slower and be a little kinder. Their audio-only approach invites children to adventure, wonder, and dream in a safe and secure way. Audio stories are a low-pressure way to make even the shyest of readers hungry for more adventure and learning. My older son is three and a half, and I love that I can search for stories based on his age or story topic. For him, I love that stories are recorded slowly for young ears, ensuring maximum comprehension and enjoyment. It's been such a nice way to build a quiet rest time into our active days. I've also gifted Sparkle Stories to my six-year-old niece twice now, and I know she enjoys the longer tales and ongoing series. My favorite thing about Sparkle Stories? It is such a great alternative to the TV. Their audio-only stories spur children to use their imaginations and grow their curiosity compared to image-based entertainment like TV. Especially having our new little one in the house, I love using Sparkle Stories to keep my three-year-old's mind engaged and having fun while I get things done. I've teamed up with Sparkle Stories to offer an extended 30-day free trial so you can enjoy the entire library of Sparkle Stories, over 1,400 original audio stories for ages three and up, and you can trust me, you will enjoy. To check out a list of the Sparkle Stories our family enjoys most and additional playlists of stories to accompany each episode throughout the seventh season, I know, so cool, you can check out sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfie. To get access to your 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories just for Waldorfie listeners, just visit sparklestories.com forward slash sign up and use code Waldorfie at checkout. And now and I'm going to be speaking with Megan Rose Wilson of Whole Family Rhythms, who I had just on the love show Sparkle Stories selections of gentle and stories so for happy minds. to be speaking with again. Hello, Megan. And as always, thank you for coming on the show and speaking with me again. I sh- I so enjoy tapping into your wisdom every time. So we're speaking about simplicity today. And I'm wondering if we can start by explaining what we mean when we say simplicity in terms of a simplicity approach to parenting or simplicity in an approach to life with young children. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's as as simple as it sounds. It's uh, that concept or idea of pairing back on as many things as possible. In our Western culture, we have this tendency to want all the things, especially um, all the things for our children, whether it's exposure to language classes or early learning programs or sports programs or learning apps or, you know, even like the latest Disney movie or the, the latest coolest toys, you know, like. I could go on and on and we just have this kind of culture of consumption and wanting more and more. And simplicity parenting is more bringing this simplicity to our lives and our children's lives and um, connecting to our family values, which would drive like our why when we choose some of these things, because I'm not saying that like all of these things are awful and we should, you know, go back to you know, the old days, but really consciously choosing what we bring into our family culture, into our um, family rhythms, and letting go of a lot of things that maybe are not developmentally appropriate or nourishing for children, especially at, at specific ages. Yeah, so some examples of bringing more simplicity to the life of a young children might be avoiding overscheduling and embracing more home days, reducing uh, the number of toys in the house or decorations or gadgets, uh, even reducing the, the amount of sweets or treats that children are getting, cutting back on screen time. Uh, there's, there's, all, there's many different ways that you can bring more simplicity to your life with young children. 
And it goes without saying that uh, we have to mention, of course, Kim John Payne, who really for, totally introduced me to this concept of simplicity parenting. And of all the parenting books my husband has read, it's like the one he's been the most like totally absorbed in all the chapters and like rereading it, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I feel that's probably the best resource, you know, that we can uh, mention about this. And you yourself are a simplicity parenting coach, actually. So all so interesting. I'm sure we can talk more about resources as we continue. But what what exactly is simplicity parenting? Yeah, so the term was coined by um, Kim John Payne and Lisa M. Ross, who wrote this book in 2010, I had to look it up, um, called Simplicity Parenting. And at that time, my son was two, and I had a newborn baby, and I read it, I think, like, pretty soon after it came out. And it, like your husband, it changed so much of um, my perspective and my approach. And it was just so intuitive and resonated so deeply. And Kim has a master's in education and he's been working. I looked up his bio just so I could, you know, honor him properly. Um, he's been working in various forms as like a teacher and a counselor and, and an educator for over 30 years. And he's uh, worked a lot within the Waldorf movement and has like a really deep grounding in Waldorf pedagogy. And when he wrote the book, I think his kind of mission was to communicate this, this Waldorf pedagogy or this Waldorf way of um, supporting and nourishing young children's lives, but in like a more in more accessible terms. So not using maybe the same language or words that you would hear in a Waldorf school. Yeah, and just bringing that that message to the the public. Yes, it's, it's, it's such a well-communicated, well-articulated uh, way of, you know, explaining kind of how to, to the Waldorf approach, really. I mean, it mm -hmm. really just goes so, when I thought about the kind of the title for this episode, just simplicity, I was thinking, wow, I guess if you think about Waldorf, that word might not be the first thing that comes to mind. But at the same time, of all the episodes in the season, I feel it could be the most helpful under the umbrella of like how to Waldorf, you know, and make yeah. the biggest impact when parents kind of discover this approach or the resources, Kim John Payne's resources and, and everything and, and what a difference they can make. So that leads me into my next question, which is, why simplicity? I know in that book, Simplicity Parenting, Kim John Payne kind of touches on uh, what he had seen working with children. Um, but do you want to talk about kind of the impacts and benefits of the approach? Yeah. So our children <laughs> deserve childhoods that are free from our own agendas. And um, their childhood is like the time for them to freely explore who they are and who they want to become. Uh, what they're like interested in and if they're constantly influenced by us or bombarded with like what we think is the best for them and our adult schedules and you know all of the adult information that's constantly just being streamed at them um, via talking or um, screens or news or whatever it is you know it can become extremely overwhelming and children can become very anxious I mean adults can become anxious with the amount of information overload that we experience on any given day. And so this 
this approach of pairing back and really consciously deciding what's important in our lives and what maybe we can let go of or create boundaries around. It helps to support like a family home and culture that provides a lot more safety and security to growing children. Um, And I thought of this analogy, like imagining a seed that you plant in the garden and if it becomes like overwhelmed by weeds that that come up and you know the weeds might be like uh, over scheduling too many activities too many toys too many play dates you know always going out in the car and you don't like actually cut back consciously cut back on those things then the the little seed and that little seedling doesn't have a space to grow so understanding that we need space and time and um, balance to grow is is a huge part of the approach. Yes, I, I really like that analogy, actually. And even relating it again to plants, weeds can be like a beautiful invasive species, species you know, not just like an ob- obnoxious weed, but still yeah. if it's too much is too much. And that's really for us as adults and for children at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. The That's the thing, like it's more becoming conscious of how we can come into balance. And when something becomes too much or out of balance, then it's just it's not healthy or supportive anymore. And um, where this parallels with uh, Waldorf education is that Waldorf education you know, one of the the primary facets, or if not the primary facet, is that um, we do things, we educate the child in a development mentally appropriate way. So it's not necessarily that like screens are always bad and that children should never watch anything, but it's like when is the the healthiest time to start like baby stepping into screens or TV shows or movies? And when is the healthiest time to maybe pivot a little bit more to um, you know, more intense screen time or critical thinking with the screen time, there's always like an appropriate time that is like the best time to introduce anything. Now, I know this is a little bit of a tough question probably for you, but when I was thinking about what the audience may want to hear in relation to this topic of simplicity and simplicity parenting, this really came to mind. And you're working with families as a simplicity parenting coach. What changes in relation to simplifying life with young children have you seen make the biggest impact for those children and families? Yeah, I think it's different for every family um, and where they're at and um, what they've decided to kind of cut back on first. And it's really individual. So just getting connected with what your family values are and um, just becoming more conscious of them uh, helps you already to like get on the same page as your parenting partners, whether that's, um, you know, a husband or wife or uh, a grandparent who uh, takes care of children a lot in your home or even um, teachers or educators. It's like the more consciousness that you can bring to how the day is flowing for your children, it's going to have such a profound impact on those children because you're making decisions, not because it's just what has been done in your own childhood or because that's what everybody else seems to be doing, but you're making them because you have like a clear why. So for some of my coaching clients, I think one of the the primary things that people come to me about are um, reducing their screen time. And they have noticed uh, more opportunities for their children to play. So when they've um, decreased the amount of screens 
uh, in their lives, then their young children are more inspired to kind of start that independent play. Um, they, it does come with, you know, one of the reasons why we love screens is because children are usually still and quiet. Um, and so when there isn't a screen there, then sometimes it means that there might be conflict between siblings, for example, um, where there had might not have been if there was a screen, but with conflict um, become like problem solving skills. Uh, so there's, there's so much to be learned, especially for young children from, um, doing and experiencing life. And so when they're in front of a screen, they're just, it's a really passive state and they're not learning in that same way. Uh, food battles as well. So creating simplicity around food and meals, uh, offering one meal as opposed to having multiple meal times, separate meal times for adults, or maybe separate meals for picky children, you know, all of that creates a lot of work and stress for families. And when they simplified meal times, uh, it meant that eventually pickier eaters would um, eat with that one meal with the family or try different uh, parts of it. And so I think that uh, helps a lot of people. Uh, and I know personally, for me, keeping toys to a minimum throughout my my children's lives has meant way less clutter for me, less overwhelm for my children, and way more opportunities for open-ended play. So for me personally, uh, I'm still really feeling the benefits um, and seeing the benefits for my children of just uh, really being conscious and conscientious of what toys come in the house and what toys stay. And you have inspired that so much for us and our family, Megan. I know um, some of the our favorite toys you had. We actually spoke for an episode about toys, mm -hmm. uh, I think, back in season two. And still our favorite toys that go everywhere with us are blocks, just like with rounded edges. And they're <laughs> muffins, they're rocks, they're buildings. I mean, they really have just turned into to anything. And when we travel, everything gets super pared down. And that's really the one thing that like, has to come with us wherever we go. <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah. I mean, there's really like five toys that all children need and that's it. But yeah, you can go back to that episode and <laughs> hear all about it. Yes. That I think is waldorfie.com forward slash toys or Waldorf toys, but I'll link to it on the show notes page for this episode. So I'm sure now in this, this whole season being, you know, kind of a how to, this is kind of the last question I'm going to pose for you. And it's how to simplicity. Can you kind of sum it up or give some good tips for parents to get started with? Yeah, definitely. I would start, like I said, with getting together with uh, whoever your parenting partners are and establishing what your shared values are. There's so many different ways to do this, but I generally, if you even just Google like family values, you'll find a list of things, a huge list of things. And if you can kind of narrow those things down to what's really important to you and how you want to um, create a family culture, um, writing those values down. And then like that kind of communication gets you on the same page and then it informs your why so that then whenever you are faced with a decision, whether it's um, bringing a toy into, house, into the house or going out for dinner or um, signing up for an extracurricular, you can then reflect on those values and it will just become second nature. It's not like this really intense um, 
overwhelming process and reflecting on those values and saying like, you know, does this align and is it um, that important? And also taking into consideration your children's ages um, and what's developmentally going to maybe be appropriate or not. Um, you can always start small. So personally, like uh, I mentioned with toys, like something that's really simple and you can do without really a lot of thought, like the value stuff is to just start decluttering your home um, and looking to simplify, you know, the toys, your children's rooms, what's important um, and what's not important. I have actually a blog post about toys. I think it's called Less is More when it comes to toys. So you could um, find that. I'm sure Ashley can link to it. Um, and that kind of takes you through a process of paring down in the house. Also, what we've talked about a lot on this podcast, you and I, in the past is establishing um, a strong family rhythm. And that can be really just rooted in those foundations of um, consistent meal times, consistent sleep or rest times, and consistent um, play times, opportunities for free play. Um, just those three alone would mean that you are probably pairing back on a lot of those kind of cultural pressures to do more and more and more. Yeah, things can get tricky when you have multiple children. So I have four children and they're, um, you know, ver various ages. So, you know, one of the things that's challenging is I have a 13-year-old who really does developmentally need after school sport and, you know, a little bit more um, social activities than maybe my youngest does. And I have to figure out how I can balance our schedule so that he is getting what he needs. And she is also not constantly being carpooled around. Um, but if you remain open and creative with this like simplifying process, um, you know, it can be very successful. And it's uh, like we've said multiple times, it's not about taking away the fun, but more so just about like creating that space and opportunity to enjoy special moments and to like to make space for them intentionally. So for example, we have a, a movie night once a week, our family, instead of screen time every single day. And the children, you know, really look forward to that night and they enjoy that movie so much more. And they're a lot more grateful for that time because it's not just um, excessive and all the time. Yes, such great starting points. And of course, I will link uh, for everybody listening, I will link to the uh, book Simplicity Parenting um, on the show notes page for this episode, as well as Kim John Payne has a podcast, which I mentioned kinda in another segment in this episode, which is great too, and other mm -hmm. resources. And his website has um, a lot of free downloads that are, I think there's like a download right on that, the front page of his website that's um, a guide to, you know, uh, simplicity parenting. I don't know, you can download it and it'll give you like 10 ways to uh, engage in simplicity parenting today. So that would be great too. Oh, super. Well, thank you again so much for, for speaking with me, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. And again, a huge thank you to Megan Rose Wilson for speaking with me all about simplicity, simplicity parenting for this episode. And again, just a huge thanks to Kim John Payne, who I did not get to speak with for this episode, but we have to give so much credit where credit is due since he, you know, coined the term simplicity parenting and wrote the book, which we 
are referencing in this episode. Megan mentioned it. There are so many resources, free resources at Kim John Payne's website as well, which I do link to on the show notes page for this episode, which is waldorfy.com forward slash simplicity. You can find a link to Kim John Payne's website uh, where he offers so much and free resources, Megan Rose Wilson's website, and also the book Simplicity Parenting, which I do believe every parent should read at some point. It's my husband's favorite parenting book. And speaking of my husband, I almost had him actually come and speak with me in this episode um, about how we are implementing a simplicity, the simplicity approach, simplicity parenting in our own home because he is really the captain of simplicity um, in our home and with our young children. I find there is something about the Waldorf approach for someone I guess like myself, who's a little like type A and like wants to always go overboard with things. And like, I'll just give as an example, like we just had our little one's birthdays recently, um, a couple weeks ago, and both of our young children have birthdays in the same week. And I want to make the most beautiful felt crowns and make all of these beautiful felt decorations and like create this like extensive treasure hunt with fairies and all of these things. And I kind of did do all of these things, but as I was going through this and you know, getting into it with my husband and getting enrolling him to help me, he was like, nope, we got to cut back on this too much, too much, too much. Um, you know, the birthday party for my four-year-old, we only had two children come and it was like glorious. It was so perfect in the end. I can't even tell you. I even forgot one of the things that I had planned. I got the most wonderful eco-friendly face paint from Palumba. You know, my favorite Waldorf toy shop, Palumba. They have uh, a gorgeous face paint set with a little paintbrush. So I got that to do face paint for them. And I totally forgot because we were all just having so much fun. And uh, we did end up doing a little treasure hunt and it was super, but my husband cut it in half with just four clues um, with little kind of fairies and that they have flower fairies that they had to find with a little treasure at the end instead of I think I had like 10 different points within the treasure hunt that I wanted to do. And it was so much better the way that my husband laid it out. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, like I said, my personality, I always kind of want to do more like over, I guess, decorate everything or like over the nature table. And my husband's like less, less, less in really almost in every like space. And I notice in Kim John Payne's book, there's, I think it's one of the last, uh, this is Simplicity Parenting, again, that I'm referencing. And one of the last cha couple chapters, maybe it's the last chapter, one of the things that I've actually been engaging with and working with the most recently is just saying less. And this idea of, do we really need to be saying all of the things that we're saying all the time? It's interesting because I hear myself engaging with my four-year-old and sometimes I'm realizing like why am I why am I saying this you know he's thinking and and I'm thinking and sometimes we just need more space to process our own thoughts and and kind of be who we are honestly and I feel like sometimes I'm just talking and engaging with him for the sake of talking and engaging with him and I think we as parents and carers love our children and we want to engage with them like as much as we can in their waking hours and everything's like a teachable moment all the time and you want to learn and try to get to know them better in their experience but it is also their experience at the end of the day and so that's something I've really been just kind of sitting with a lot especially when I've been in the car with my four-year-old is do I need to be do I need to say this right now is this helpful 
what is this bringing? And yeah, that's been really helpful. There are actually a lot of light bulb uh, little moments for me in the last chapter of uh, the book Simplicity Parenting which I actually haven't read in about a year now. And I read it twice and my husband read it, I think early in 2021. And as I mentioned, it is his favorite parenting book. I feel like it just goes so much with kind of who he is. And yeah, it's interesting. I I think the kids often, when I leave the house, I always think I have everything like organized in the rhythm and I'm the ringleader, I guess, of the household stuff, certainly. And although my husband is around a lot because he uh, has a very flexible work schedule. However, when I leave and I always think, well, how is he going to hold together the rhythm? And, you know, how is he going to manage? He always does great. And the kids are always so relaxed when I come home. And I know it's because he doesn't overdo it in anything. Snacks are simple. He makes a dinner that's very easy for him to make if it's his night to make dinner. Do So it's easy and relaxing for everybody. And that was certainly true in his collaboration on all the birthday festivities uh, with me. Another way that we bring simplicity parenting ideas into our home is the toys. We really try. Uh, Megan actually spoke with me in another episode back in season two called Waldorf Toys. I believe that's uh, waldorfy.com forward slash Waldorf toys, uh, is where you can find that episode. It's back in season two. And I think Megan speaks in that episode kind of about less is more almost always when it comes to toys and also how to think of bringing a toy into the home is, do you already have a toy that does the same thing? And I think of, especially as children kind of get more into their own interests. I know right now, uh, my son who's four is really into tractors and, the front loaders and the excavators and the bulldozers. And it's interesting because, you know, he has one little pickup truck and he has one excavator and he has one like kind of big long truck that go inside. And then we have some other like metal uh, recycled plastic trucks that are outside. And that's kind of it. And at birthdays and Christmas, because that's his interest, everyone always wants to get him more of those things. But my husband and I are really resistant to bringing more stuff in the house because it does, it just accumulates so fast. Um, and we want their, the play space to just be simple. And it's so interesting to see also how uh, my son creates things out of what he already has. Like I, last Christmas, we uh, celebrate Christmas and we, I was thinking, you know, I want to get him a gift and I had only been like making gifts. And now that I had my second, that's like kind of gone on the window a little bit. I do still try to make some things, but um, you know, can't get to everything. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll get him a front loader with a little bucket on the front. Cause he doesn't have that. And um, you know, I was just kind of talking with him about, you know, playing with him and he has a little tractor that he puts a dust pan on the front of, and he calls it his front loader. And he says, I don't need a front loader. I have a front loader. He was playing with himself and just kind of said that. And I observed and I was thinking, mm-hmm, that is so true. And yeah, we have very few, I think, uh, in maybe in comparison to what may be normal in many households, very few stuffed animals actually, because I find um, my little one and uh, sometimes friends who come to play, they like make whatever we have also into other things. Like I'm looking at a little hedgehog right now, which also gets turned into a doll. We also have a doll, but um, you know, and how we have a little bunny that I know has been turned into a dragon and things like that. So I think it's surprising what children, or maybe not surprising when you observe it, but children really will 
come up with so much on their own when they have less. And I have to say the main, one of the main benefits of that for us is the picking up at the end of the day is so not stressful and so easy. And so far we've been able to maintain that we can pick up, uh, if we had to, the, myself, all the whole house, all the toys in like six minutes or less, I think. Um, and that is wonderful. <laughs> it's like liberating to know that if I had to have it picked up in here really quickly, that it's doable, it's possible. And yeah, the other thing we're now just trying to implement having uh, come back from Florida very recently is trying to make the same meals on the same days of the week. This is something we also picked up from the book Simplicity Parenting, just in creating rhythm and consistency uh, for our little ones. I love cooking and I love baking, but uh, as my husband as my husband does not do, I often try to make super complex things with two young children around and then it gets stressful and things aren't done on time and then we're running late for bedtime and everybody's stressed out. So what we've started to do is when my husband, especially when my husband does dinner because uh, he's great at this, he, you know, we do simple things and we try to, we don't make my son, uh, my four-year-old participate in the making of dinner, but he's always invited. And we always kind of set out with the intention before we start, like there's at least one thing that we know that he can do. So if he wants to participate, there's something he can he can do. And if he doesn't, which he often doesn't, he's often playing at that time of day, he doesn't do. So yeah, those are some things that we have been working with and we love. Again, thank you to my guest, Megan Rose Wilson, for speaking with me in this episode. I always love having her as a guest. I have already thanked Kim John Payne, but I'll do it again, who wrote the book Simplicity Parenting and brought so many of these concepts and ideas into my home, and I know many of yours as well. Again, a big thanks to all of our generous Patreon supporters. Learn more and sign up to become a supporter at patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy. A huge thanks to Sparkle Stories, our Waldorfy Season 7 sponsor. To get access to an extended 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories, just use coupon code Waldorfy at checkout. Just visit sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. There you'll be able to find the playlist of audio stories for young children that accompany this episode and each episode in this seventh season. I cannot thank them enough. It is so helpful to the podcast, to the show, when you go and write a positive review. You can do this usually wherever you listen to your podcast on any podcast listening platform. It's especially helpful on Apple Podcasts where most people listen to uh, podcasts. I think it's like 60 five or so percent. Most people listen on Apple Podcasts. And yes, you can also follow along on social media. I'm at B Waldorfy. That's B-E Waldorfy on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, not really on Twitter, but I do have an account there. Um, and again, that's B-E Waldorfy. I'd love to engage with you there. And yes, just thank you all again for listening in. That's a huge way to support the show. And I always, always appreciate it. Be well.